Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Glad you've joined us. Thanks for letting us be part of your day. We appreciate it and hope it'll be a good day for you. Farmer optimism seems to be a little better this month as we go over the latest numbers in the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. We'll talk with Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langemeyer about those numbers coming up. We're also going to talk markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. And as we go into the busy harvest season, just a few reminders about farm safety. I know you've probably heard them before, but never hurts to go over them. Good reminders for all of us as we uh, work towards a safe harvest season. Farmers and non-farmers will be sharing the roads with equipment, and everyone needs to be uh, more attentive, more alert, and uh, more patient with each other to have a safe harvest season. We'll be talking about that on today's show. But let's start things off with Steve Meyer, economist with Kearns and Associates. We'll talk about the uh, the hog market and the pork packing plant situation. Steve, thanks for joining us. We're going to start on the demand side. Uh, China buying uh, uh, some more. We're watching all these ag products that they are buying. They seem to be getting really back in the market. What do we know about their, their pork situation, their rebuilding of their swine herd over there, and what that means moving forward for us? Well, Mike, uh, we don't know nearly as much as what numbers we see coming out of there uh, because we don't know what the numbers mean. We do know that their hog numbers are above a year ago uh, for the first time in a while, um, both on market hogs and the breeding herd. They're kind of frantically trying to rebuild that herd, but they're still a long ways away from getting back to where they were. Um, uh, We still understand they're having trouble with African swine fever in, in a number of areas, and and now, you know, now they're dealing with the floods in the Yangtze Valley, which affects a sizable portion of their pork industry and a much larger portion of their rice production. And the, the government of China has been completely quiet about it. They haven't said anything about agriculture and the flood situation in the Yangtze Valley, which is kind of typical. You know, if we don't say anything, it's not a problem. And so... Um, but we still think they're in a pretty, pretty tough shape from the food and from the protein side. Uh, it'll be a long time before they get back on the hog side. We've heard that they're working on vaccines, of course, and uh, we don't know exactly what, how um, successful that is. I, I still liken their response to uh, what I, I think I pointed out before, the kind of the sea turtle strategy where all the sea turtles hatch at once so that a few of them can make it to the ocean, even if a bunch of them get eaten on the way on the way there across the beach. Uh, that's kind of what they're doing with the pigs. We're going to produce so many pigs that we'll, we'll try to get as many of them to live as we can, and that's how many we'll have, but we'll be better off if we produce more. So um, that's kind of where they are. They're not back to year-ago levels on production yet. Won't be for a while. They still need a lot of protein. But they seem to have decided that they're just not going to buy that protein. And they're going to let their, their consumers worry about it. The food inflation is high. They haven't had any protests in the streets. Uh, there's no social unrest over it. So, um, you know, out of, buying, out, out of sight, out of mind. And uh, that's kind of where the government is on it. And they've decided they're not going to do that. And, 
you know, every economic force here, the price differentials between the United States and China and Europe and China say that a lot more product ought to be flowing in there to, to try to rectify and arbitrage these price differentials, and it's not. And the reason it's not is somebody's making a decision to not buy it. Now, their, their imports, uh, our shipments to them last week went up from recent weeks, which is good. Mm -hmm. uh, they booked about 28,000 metric tons of product for future uh, delivery, which is good. So they're still not a bad customer by any stretch, but, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to, you know, it'd be surprised to me if we get back to where we were earlier this year. And that, <clears throat> that means that our export growth is going to be tempered some, um, you know, Brett Stewart at Global Agritrends works with us, and he was 30% plus on year-over-year -year increase in, in uh, uh, exports back in early summer, late, you know, before, right about the time COVID broke, broke in the spring. Uh, we're now down to 18% on that year-over-year -year increase. So exports are still good. That's great demand uh, uh, for our product. It's not quite as good as what we thought it would be. The domestic demand... We're going to find out. We'll get export data for July tomorrow, Mike. So, or the, pardon me, this afternoon. So, uh, we're a little our, our timing getting there great here. But um, when we get that, we'll also know something about how what per capita consumption for July was in the United States, and we think it's going to be pretty good. And pork prices are higher, and so the retail, the consumer level. I won't say retail. The consumer level demand in the United States caught up a lot in June, and we think it's going to catch up a little bit more in July in spite of a very slow food service sector. So I think the demand side of this thing is reasonably good. We just got a lot more pigs than what we can handle comfortably in these plants, and um, I think that's, that's kept, kept some pressure on prices. Well, let's talk about that side of it. We're talking with Steve Meyer, economist with Kearns & Associates. Where are we in uh, moving uh, hogs through uh, the the chain through the pork packing plants. Where are we on the, on that output? Well, let's talk first about the, the plants. The plants are operating at ninety six to ninety seven percent of their capacity, which is about as good as I thought we would ever do coming off of COVID. I mean, that's been kind of where we've been the last few weeks. We got a couple of plants in uh, on the East Coast that have had real troubles, and the troubles that are out there now are not COVID related. They are labor related. And the labor situation is hurting us in a, in a few ways. Um, uh, first and foremost is that uh, we don't have enough labor to add enough value through the plants. Um, you know, right now, if you look at the difference between bone-in cuts and boneless cuts, there's a huge gap. And again, that's a, that's a market that could be arbitraged if you had the labor to convert more product into boneless product and, and capture those premiums. But most plants don't, and so they're they have enough to slaughter the pigs and get them processed, get them into the cooler. They're, they don't have enough uh, labor on the other side to add value to that, and so that's that's something that's hurting us. But still, they're operating at 95 to 97 percent of capacity, which is as good as I thought we could do. If we look at that, that means I can kill about 2.63, 2.65 million head on a normal work week, and that's about where we've been, and that's where we're going to be for the foreseeable future. We may get a few big Saturdays that will push us beyond that, but you can't do that for very long with a limited labor force. And so, um, you know, it's it's a quandary that we're in that we just can't slaughter more pigs than that. Mm -hmm. Now, that brings the question of how many pigs are out there. And, Mike, there's, there's so much evidence of different things on this one, I don't really know where it is. If you use just straight the USDA hogs and pigs report from June, it would say we're backed up by 1.4 million hogs. 
but we know that there's more there's finishing barns available okay we know that weights have come down dramatically and in fact plunged last week down to 206 pounds on the on the mandatory price supporting barrels and gills which would say you're hey, Steve? current steve yes. we're, we need, we're up against a break can you hang on and, and we'll finish this after the break can you stay with us Absolutely, absolutely. Sorry okay. about that. I, w- I, w- I want to get into these numbers. We need to take a break. We're talking with Steve Meyer, economist with Kearns & Associates. We'll finish this up with Steve. Also coming up, we'll be talking with Michael Langemeyer. He is the Purdue Ag Economist. We'll be taking a look at the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer numbers. So lots of information for you today. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Well, during COVID-19, we've been keeping up to date on the pork packing plant situation with Steve Meyer, economist with Kearns and Associates. Steve joins us again now for another update. Steve, how much of the backlog have we cut into now? Not much. I mean, matter of fact, it's grown. I don't know if it's grown since June 1st, Mike, because I kind of started recounting. If you all go go all the way back to March, you don't know how far you we were off by the end of May. June Hogs and Pigs Report gave us a June 1 inventory, and so we can start from that point going forward and say, if hogs were growing normally, how many would we slaughter? And the answer to that question is we would have slaughtered 1.3 million more than we had slaughtered. You know, just straight off the June Hogs and Pigs Report, we could get a backlog of almost 3 million head by the end of December. These pigs being destroyed will reduce that some. We won't know that really until we kind of get there. We'll have another read on this when we get to September hugs and pigs report. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. You don't take a winter break. Unfortunately, neither do insects or diseases. Trust BASF Cereal Seed Treatments to protect your winter wheat this season. This team of products provides a base of broad-spectrum disease control with stamina F4 cereals fungicide seed treatment, an added performance boost with new Relania seed treatment, and rounded out with Poncho XC seed treatment, pest protection. To learn more, contact your BASF rep or local retailer. BASF, we create chemistry. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you. Cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to chill. First, keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Use an appliance thermometer to be sure things are cool. Then, chill leftovers and takeout foods within two hours and divide food into shallow containers for fast cooling. And always thaw meat, poultry, and seafood in the fridge, not on the counter, and never overstuff the fridge. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. 
You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, we're talking with Steve Meyer, economist with Kearns & Associates, who's told us that uh, pork plants are operating 96 97%, uh, limited dough from going higher because of labor issues, not COVID issues. Now we're getting into that number of hogs and the backup, uh, how many. Go ahead, Steve, Go pick up where you left off there. Well, Mike, there, there's a lot of conflicting data here. Uh, first, the Gene Hogs and Pigs report would say we're 1.4 million behind had those pigs have been growing normally, and we had the slaughter capacity to do it. We should have had that many more slaughtered. Uh, on the other hand, we have some uh, some anecdotal evidence and some evidence on uh, note boards and things like that on the Internet. Of, there's finishing buildings available. Uh, we had a very low average slaughter weight last week, 206 pounds on the mandatory price supporting barrels and gilts, which says that you're kind of ultra-current. So... There's a lot of conflicting evidence. We know that there's still hogs backed up on the East Coast. Uh, the Smithfield plants ran well below capacity for a long time and still are, so we know that there's a chunk there. In the Midwest, we're in much better shape, but we still think there are some producers that are behind. Why are these weights going down? Uh, you know, We're not real sure. Whole barn dumps are one reason. If you need the space, you empty a built barn all at once. You don't give the light ones a chance to grow for two or three more weeks until it pulls the average down. That's part of it. We wonder if some of the pigs that were put on hold diets, especially those that involve calcium chloride, might not, they're just not growing very well after coming off of those. So it's, it's really a quandary. But based on the gene hogs and pigs report, we still think we're way behind. Uh, that number is going to get larger. Now, the good thing is that the September hogs and pigs survey is in the field next week. Uh, we'll have that report on the 24th that hopefully will give us a new snapshot at this. It's very difficult. You know, we don't have very much objective data. Almost everything is anecdotal, and so it's very difficult to make sense of this at the present time. I guess the message, Mike, that I would send for any producers listening is if you're in that survey sample, make sure you respond with accurate numbers. USDA can't give us a better report than what the data is that they get. I want to go back to your comment that uh, there's still limits on packing plant uh, output because of labor issues, not COVID issues. I guess the question would be, are those labor issues at all connected to COVID, though? Well, I think they are. And one of the real kind of chilling things I've heard in the last three weeks, uh, I'm going to say chilling, concerning, is that the number of applicants at packing plants is down. So uh, they're short workers, and they're not getting as many applications for jobs as they were. And, Mike, I have to think that several months of, not very good public PR and, and, and appearances for the situation at packing plants has probably discouraged people from applying for jobs there. And so if that's the case, then you don't see a real solution to this labor thing anywhere in the future here, in the near future anyway. And so we're, I'm very concerned about the labor side on, on our plants. And every time I talk to a packer, you know, they either have – real labor problems across the board or they at least have labor problems in the value adding or maybe in capturing value out of off-all items and all of those things add to the value that packers can bid for hogs and so 
but it's important that they add as much value to those products in their plant as they can, and this, uh, this reduction in applicants is very concerning to me. All right, so what's your, your price outlook then as we head into fall? Well, we think that uh, the cutout value is going to have a tough time here in September. As we come off the Labor Day orders, we're still going to have a lot of hogs available. Uh, we think the, product, the cutout value is going to be in a little bit of pressure now. It's had a nice run the last couple of weeks up into the mid-70s. And so that's good. I mean, it's a good place to start. Uh, then we think we'll have some strength into the fourth quarter. And the reason we have strength in the fourth quarter is demand for pork in the fourth quarter is usually be- the best of the year. And we're not going to be slaughtering nearly as many animals as we did a year ago because we can't. So that means the pork supply on the market is going to be a little short for what would normally be the case in the fourth quarter. And so we think that you have the cutout value up in into the low 70s, uh, maybe mid-70s on occasion for the fourth quarter. We think national net hogs across all purchase methods is going to be probably in the low 60s during that time period. And then we think the net negotiated, the spot market hogs out there, is still going to be quite low because there's going to be plenty of those hogs available, and I've got it still down in the 40s for the fourth quarter. So uh, not a very good price outlook. Cost of production has gone up a little bit as this crop has deteriorated just a bit in the last few weeks, but still uh, our estimates of production costs for the best 25% of producers is somewhere in the 61 to 63 range. The average producer is going to be 66 to 69 out of that, uh, probably. Um, uh, if you look into 2021, the futures market is offering almost $70 average across the board. And so uh, it's still not a bleak picture on, out in front if producers have the financial wherewithal to, to last this, this mm-hmm. period right now. All right, Steve. Good, uh, good perspective. Good overview of the of the entire situation. Thanks. Always appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Have a great holiday. You too, Steve Meyer, Kearns and Associates Economist. All right, let's go now to Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer, who joins us with the latest numbers from the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. Michael, thank you for joining us. It looks like we uh, have an improvement in the numbers from a month ago. Yes, June and July was running at 117, 118 in terms of the Ag Economy Barometer Index. That increased to 144 in August. And as we've talked about before, uh, there was strength in both the index of current conditions and the index of future expectations with that increase in the barometer index. And so, and so people are more optimistic both uh, currently looking at the next year here, but also uh, looking five years from now. You know, a lot of numbers are out now. Uh, Looks like ag income uh, could be up, but because of government payments. Uh, Also, we're seeing sales to China certainly uh, upticking here in the latter half of the year. Uh, All this, I guess, uh, plays into this somewhat. Definitely, and I think there was two factors, and they are interrelated, of course. One is that there is more optimism with regard to trade. We've seen a lot more uh, news coming from China that's good news, and so that certainly helped. And when we asked people about uh, ag exports in the next five years, there was a large uptick in those that thought exports were actually going to increase in the next five years compared to those that did not think they were going to increase. And so more optimism on trade is certainly part of this increase in in the economy barometer index. The other thing is, is the crop conditions have deteriorated. 
uh, in the Corn Belt. And so corn prices have increased, and so a combination of those two things uh, accounts for the increase in the index. What did they say about the plans for farm machinery purchases? Farm machinery purchases, it, it, was, it was higher. Uh, the, uh, if you look at the Farm Capital Investment Index, it was running at 60. Uh, anything below 100 there means that there's still fewer people going to think about buying machinery than, uh, than uh, those that are uh, not going to buy machinery. And so there, there was still some pessimism out there uh, in terms of uh, purchasing machinery, as you expect, because the, uh, the margins still aren't that great. But it did improve uh, from 60 to 65 in August, and so that was consistent with the, with the uh, sub-indices. What about farmland? Uh, farmland, again, there's that dichotomy between uh, land values in the next 12 months and land values five years from now, uh, more optimism in, in the long term. In the next 12 months, there was more optimism than there has been probably since February when we had the, the peak of the egg economy barometer index. Uh, there's 20% think that farmland values in the next 12 months is going to be lower, and 20% think it's going to be higher. And so, uh, and so, and so, what that tells me is is, is stability is, is kind of the key word there in terms of land values in the next 12 months. Um, you know, land values five years from now, about 60% thought that land values were going to increase uh, five years from now, and only 9%. Uh, thought lower land values, and so and so that that uh, land values five years from now is very consistent with the index, uh, with the increase in the index of future expectations. Those go those go uh, in lockstep. Uh, if one of those goes up, the other one seems to go up. Real quick, Michael, what do farmers think about uh, virtual meetings in our new reality today? Yeah, we've asked uh, questions related to virtual field days. That's how we've worded this the last couple of months. And uh, the question this month was, did you attend a virtual field day in the summer? And only 20% said they had. Uh, but we also asked, do you plan on attending a virtual field day uh, this fall and winter? And that was 45%. And so there's certainly more interest in attending virtual field days, you know, realizing that we're not going to have near as many in-person meetings. All right, Michael, thanks for the numbers. We'll talk again next month. Yeah, take care. You too. Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer with the uh, latest Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer numbers. Up next, we're going to talk farm safety as we head into the busy harvest season. Stay with us. You are listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. You don't take a winter break. Unfortunately, neither do insects or diseases. Trust BASF Cereal Seed Treatments to protect your winter wheat this season. This team of products provides a base of broad-spectrum disease control with stamina F4 cereals fungicide seed treatment, an added performance boost with new Relania seed treatment, and rounded out with Poncho XC seed treatment, pest protection. To learn more, contact your BASF rep or local retailer. BASF, we create chemistry. Always read and follow label directions. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. 
Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Soybean futures were trending higher in the overnight trade, but we've got a defensive tone an hour into Thursday's trading session. New crop November soybeans down three and a quarter at 9.58 and three quarters of a cent. January down three and a quarter, 9.65 and a quarter. Corn futures December new crop down three and a quarter, 3.55 and a half. Chicago wheat December down four at 5.54 and a quarter of a cent. Kansas City wheat December down a penny at 4.78 and a quarter. Minneapolis spring wheat December down a penny and a quarter at 5.46 and a quarter. March down a penny at 5.59. For livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures, we are trending higher after losses yesterday, 30 to 52 cents higher. October up 52 at $105 even. We've seen cash cattle activity so far this week, mostly at 103 per hundredweight, down $2 compared to a week ago. Feeder cattle, October, near unchanged, up seven cents per hundredweight, 139.52. November, near unchanged, up two cents per hundredweight at 140.37. Lean hog futures continue to trend higher, October up $1.37 at 57.77. December contract at 57.50, up a dollar per hundredweight. Outside market activity, we are seeing losses on this Thursday. The Dow down 195, NASDAQ down 234, S&P down 58, October crude oil in New York down 33 cents, 41.20 a barrel. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. As an organ donor... Your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor. Restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. So as we head into the busy harvest season... We need to talk farm safety. I know you've probably heard this before, but these are important things to keep in mind to make sure it is a safe harvest season for all of us. We're joined now by Shay Folk. He is uh, with AgView Solutions. Shay, thanks for joining us. Uh, I, I want to start there because, you know, I, 
I've been doing this for a long time and uh, usually every year talk about the importance of farm safety and go over a lot of this information. And probably it sounds very repetitive and it's easy to say, I've heard that before. And yeah, I know that. But these are things we all need to keep in mind and just uh, refresh our memory and be more attentive. Even if we, we know this, we've heard it before, the reminders are important. Absolutely, Mike, and thanks for having me on to discuss this. I think if we've learned anything from 2020, it's a year of some unique challenges, and I think the first one that I want to address in regards to farm safety that maybe looks a little different from what we've seen over the last 50 years is in 2020, we are going to have more kids on the farm this fall than maybe we've ever had before in recent times, and one of the reasons for that is online learning, schools not being in session as normal, so With more kids on the farm, I think it is even more important to sit down and have some discussions on farm safety and and talk through what that looks like. I think every farming operation is a little bit different, um, but whether you have kids running grain carts or just hanging around at the home farm a little bit more, uh, that's definitely going to be a bigger consideration here in 2020. So what reminders do you like to emphasize at this time of year? I think the biggest thing is uh, communication and over-communication. So as we look at uh, kids in the farming operation and even within your regular farm team, uh, how are we how are we transferring that information from one to another? So making sure that we are on the radios and not assuming anything, uh, that we have the proper training for the farm team as well as kids that are going to be operating equipment, and even just basic signaling as you walk up to a combine, making sure that you have really good eye-to-eye contact with the operator, that they know where you are, and same for trucks and everyone else in the field. Some simple things that we have is any time a combine's backing up, we honk the horn two times so that those behind it, by, behind us know what's going on and, uh, you know, just, just making sure we have that good communication. Another thing, too, that's going to be a huge challenge this fall is for those who have had drought conditions or were affected by storms is is the down corn out there. And we've heard over the last decades a lot of unfortunate incidents with uh, plugged corn heads or silage heads and just making sure that we're taking the time to um, to take the time, right? So patience is going to be so crucial to safety as we move through 2020. And there's a lot of new equipment out there. You know, uh, a lot of guys are going to be running corn rails, uh, different corn heads, bagging equipment, so a lot of new hazards that folks maybe haven't been as familiar with uh, in recent history, sometimes that's a steep learning curve, and I think just understanding we need to take our time and have some patience as we get get started and combines get rolling here through the Midwest. Well, we know it's one thing now to say, take your time and be careful, but we know what happens when you get in those small windows, you're concerned about that next rain that might be coming, you're trying to get that next field or the field you're in done and maybe get into another one, all those things, uh, boy, the time constraints and the pressure start mounting. Right, and I think, you know, one of the key things that goes along with that from a safety and health perspective is um, it, it all starts with having a good night's sleep, and I know sometimes that's hard to come by when the season gets hot and heavy. But having a good night's sleep to make good decisions, uh, making sure that you're eating right. If you get some time to get some good exercise or, or family time when we do get those rain days or, uh, you know, have breaks in between harvest if we're waiting on fields to turn, I, I think it's important to focus on some of those things that we maybe take for granted often. Uh, you know, one, one other key topic that I think is going to be crucial this year is looking at respiratory safety. 
And while it's been a big discussion in the headlines here recently uh, due to COVID and illnesses that are going around, I think it's going to be even more important as we get back in grain bins and look at harvest grain conditions, um, especially with some of those down corn areas, we might be seeing some areas of higher higher disease and higher molds and, and things like that. So making sure that we have safety in the respiratory as well. And some challenges that might go along with that as we look at uh, mask supply availability um, and, and just the appropriate mask as well, uh, some operations are starting to realize that they maybe don't have the supply that they need, but maybe now is time for an operation to make an upgrade uh, to the full half mask with the, with the can respirators on it making some improvements with the operation to look at overall safety and health, because as we all well know, uh, agriculture is an aging industry overall. We want to make sure that we have safety and health on the farm and with that population, and just that we're doing everything that we can from a safety and health standpoint on the farm. Talking with Shea Folk with AgView Solutions. Shea, there's always those concerns. You get, you know, combine fires, uh, Things like make sure equipment's shut down before you work on it. I mean, a lot of those things uh, you just have to keep in mind. Again, a lot when you get into harvest, there's always going to be anxiety. There's going to be stress. There's going to be some pressure. So going into it with the right uh, attitude, a clear mind as best as possible can really help. Absolutely. And one final note that I'll make here, Mike, is on September 20th through the 26th, the AgriSafe Network is going to be having some great webinars on Farm Safety and Health Week. And so there's a series of presenters that talk on everything from this respiratory health um, to a topic that I will be speaking on, which is emergency response planning. It talks a little bit on what you mentioned there as far as combine fires. How do we make sure that we're prepared if something bad does happen and, and how do we improve that communication? Um to back injuries and prevention that goes along with that. So there's going to be some really good resources coming out of the, the AgriSafe network. You can check that out on their learning lab, get signed up for those webinars, and you can also check out their podcast too that will have that information. I think we all enjoy uh, passive consumption, whether you're listening to Adams on Agriculture as a podcast later on or uh, any of the other great egg podcasts that are out there. A lot of good information that's relevant for egg safety and health as we move into fall of 2020. When I talk farm safety, I always like to emphasize this is important for non-farmers as well because we're all sharing roads and there's going to be some extra traffic, some slow-moving equipment out there. Uh, So we all have to work together on this. Right. And and that's where an education piece is so crucial over the years. They've done really good with farm safety in the schools for kids to understand that. But how do we share that message with the general community? And I think the number one thing is, um, making sure that we are doing our part as farmers, uh, that you have all your hazard lights on, that you're using proper uh, signaling communication, and if at all possible, um, having lead or trail vehicles uh, to coordinate those movements. And again, that comes into the emergency response planning and communication pieces. Does your, have a t- does your team have a plan, um, a harvest plan for where you're moving or where you're going to be going? And as we all know, Plans are really good until you you get punched in the mouth and then you have to adjust, adapt, and overcome the harvest season. But again, just making sure that we're doing right by the community and hoping that in return um, they will understand, have the patience, and keep everybody safe on the roadways out there as well. Shay, for years, farming has been one of the most uh, dangerous occupations, farming and mining. Uh, Have we 
been able to uh, make improvements in that? Have we seen, where do we see the numbers going as far as farm accidents and fatalities, things like that? Are we making an improvement? Uh, unfortunately, we we are still very high on that. And where agriculture makes up a difference is so many of the, the deaths and injuries and accidents that happen are preventable. And so what I would say as we move forward, not only in 2020, but 2021 as well, with safety planning, one thing that I like to emphasize is you never know what you're preventing by making changes in safety, right? Because if an accident doesn't happen, you can't measure that. You can't measure the improvements. So even though, like you said, we've heard these messages and we understand it and we hear it, and then sometimes we forget it uh, almost just as quickly, um, how do you know what you're preventing if it doesn't happen? So that's why it's so important to sit down with your team. We highly encourage farm operations, and I've gone to a lot of farm operations to help with um, pre-harvest or pre-planting safety meetings. Sit down with your team, talk about the plan. It's a really good time to get together and get everybody's mind right as you move into harvest and, and hopefully prevent these accidents. Unfortunately, in 2019, we saw a lot of grain quality accidents um, from, from grain bin storage and noxious gases and things like that. Looks like this year we might uh, project a little bit better grain quality, kind of depending on location, maybe have a little bit better on dry down conditions and things like that. But we are still living in a very dangerous environment and a very dangerous job uh, description or, you know, what farmers do from day to day. So prevent what we can, focus on the weaknesses and try to improve that. And hopefully as we move forward into a new year and a new harvest season, uh, we can make those numbers look a little bit better, Mike. Yeah, let's all work together and let's have a safe harvest season. Shay, thanks for being with us. Good reminders. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Stay safe out there, everyone. You t- take care. Shay Falk with uh, Ag View Solutions. I tell you what, I look back on being on the farm when I was much younger, and I, I, I remember some of the things I did, and I look back and think, how did I avoid accident? I'm fortunate to be alive. I, I, I did some things that weren't safe. We can probably all look back and, and, and remember some of those things. So don't don't take for granted that because we survived that, uh, you know, it'll be okay for people to do it today, especially young people or anyone else. Just uh, don't take those chances. Uh, be sure to take, take all the precautions you can and try to avoid risk as much as possible and let's uh, work together to make it a safe harvest season all right let's talk markets next with matt bennett with agmarket.net right here on aoa stay with us hi this is mike adams you're listening to aoa adams on agriculture don't go away more adams on agriculture coming right up What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. 
If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. You don't take a winter break. Unfortunately, neither do insects or diseases. Trust BASF Cereal Seed Treatments to protect your winter wheat this season. This team of products provides a base of broad-spectrum disease control with stamina F4 cereals fungicide seed treatment, an added performance boost with new Relania seed treatment, and rounded out with Poncho XC seed treatment, pest protection. To learn more, contact your BASF rep or local retailer. BASF, we create chemistry. Always read and follow label directions. A toast to soil health. More and more landowners and their farmers are celebrating healthy soil for good reason. Because farmers who use soil health building practices like no-till and cover crops and who use diverse species and rotations report greater farm productivity, profitability, and resiliency. So here's to your soil's health. Contact your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today and learn how to unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA and this radio station. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Shirley Bloomfield, CEO of NTCA, the Rural Broadband Association. And Shirley, you have talked about the importance of getting broadband out throughout rural America. Where do we stand with that now, with those efforts to get broadband out there in places that do not have it now? We've been making progress, but honestly, if you are somebody listening to your show today who doesn't have good connectivity, they're probably shaking their head and saying it's not going to come soon enough because you aptly pointed out that if there's anything the pandemic has shown is that how much we rely on this connectivity and how much how much such a big part of our economy and the ag economy um, depends on it and the ability of the agriculture industry to actually move forward in a really interesting way using um, artificial intelligence, using data. So that was a really long way of saying there's some policies in place that have really kind of put their foot on the gas. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. 
When it comes to powering your diesel equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS outshines all the rest. Diesel X Gold has been reformulated to restore lost power with new detergency that cleans up and prevents sticky internal injector deposits and traditional carbon deposits. So when you need more power to work the fields or drive down the highway, fuel your equipment with Diesel X Gold from FS. Contact your local FS energy specialist today and power your equipment with Diesel X Gold. Absolutely the best fuel to power and protect diesel engines. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. At the beginning of the week, we were going to talk with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. We couldn't get a hold of him. We have a phone story. We're going to tell, uh, <laughs> explain why. But let me, I'll, I'll give my phone story first, Matt, because over the weekend, I did something that, you know, I just shaking my head at. Uh, I jumped in the swimming pool and was in there a while before I realized my phone was in my pocket. And I had this panic feeling. I, I I likened it to when you you realize you've locked your keys in the car. That panic moment that you have. So I you know I get the get out of the pool. I get the phone out. Fortunately, it worked. I found out it was waterproof. I was fortunate. I found my phone. Now your phone may be may have been waterproof, but it was you couldn't find it. Why was that, Matt? <laughs> well, we're out on the lake Sunday afternoon, and. Uh... You know, uh, my phone was was kind of wrapped up in my shirt on the back of the boat, and so uh, we spent a lot of time out in Lake Shelbyville here in Central Illinois. But uh, you know, my phone was wrapped up in that shirt. I got on the swim platform and dried off. Just kind of grabbed a hold of my shirt and <laughs> lifted it up, and the phone popped over the back of the boat, hit the swim platform, and there it went. And I just kind of standing there looking at it. I will, I'll say, my kids, my kids were watching me with uh, their mouths were wide open. I said, "What?" And my daughter said, well, we're just waiting to see if you go off the rails. I said, ah, it's, it is what it is at this point. But, yeah, it was not a good feeling whatsoever. And, uh, you know, yeah. it created some issues, especially with knowing the markets were probably going to be kind of exciting their Sunday night. Yeah, well, well, I, my phone's still working, and you got a new one, so we're good to go. So we move on. Absolutely. Let's talk. Let's talk markets, Matt. Uh, we're about to get into harvest, and uh, the crop seems seemingly is going to be a little smaller than we thought. China's buying big right now. What what kind of a market are we shaping up for here at harvest time? Yeah, I mean, that's the interesting thing. I mean, obviously, we've had a nice little run. I mean, you look at what beans have done since the August report, which was thought of to be a fairly bearish report with a 53.3 yield and 600-plus carry, uh, you know, and then you take off on an 80-90 cent run. Uh, but, you know, uh, looking at corn market, it seems like it's really struggling. We got up over that 363, kind of looked to see what was on the other side of it. Not a whole lot, and then we've kind of settled back in here in the mid 350s. So, what kind of market are we looking at moving forward? I'd have to say that you're going to need to kind of feed the bull, maybe, uh, to keep some sort of a, a rally going. I mean, we have to understand we've already had a rally. Uh, with beans being above the spring insurance price, I really like, um, you know, I really like rewarding that market. With corn, it's a little more complicated. You know, in that uh, you're still below the spring price by, you know, what, 33 cents. And so, you know, if you have APH or below yields, then there's a little bit of risk in getting too aggressive on sales 
you know, in that if the market would whipsaw on you and go higher, you're not going to collect maybe the insurance you were thinking, you know, if you've got those below APH yields. So a little more complicated on the corn market than what we'd be talking for soybeans. Yeah, you can have a rally. It's just not the, the as big a rally as many have been hoping for. Absolutely. You know, and the thing is, is that, uh, you know, the, the bottom line uh, for me, this rally, you know, we were asking for this rally. And, and most people, if you'd have told them August 1st that, you know, you were going to close out the month of August in the, you know, 950, 960 area on November beans, they said you're flat out crazy. You know, and then you get this rally, and then uh, the conversations I've had with some growers is, you know, do we think we can get to $10? And, you know, the thing that bothers me, Mike, is that, you know, people in your part of the world, my part of the world, feel pretty good about the soybean yields if they're honest about it. You know, yeah, it's been a little bit drier in August, but you're still probably looking at well above APH yields. I mean, we're loaded with pods. Uh, so let's say that you've got 65, 70 bushel beans. You know, if you're going to struggle to make ends meet, you know, at 9.30, 9.40 beans out of the field at, at 70 bushel, I think we've got some something else going on there. Uh, you ought to be able to make that work. What about those still holding on to old crop? Well, I certainly don't want to re-up any commercial storage. I don't think that that's a wise idea after this sort of a rally. You know, especially with soybeans, there's just no carry in the market. So I don't see any reason why a person would re-up storage commercially. You know, if you've got enough to store at home, you know, I understand. If I, if I say, hey, we should reward the market and get out, people say, well, you know, you said that two weeks ago, and I did. And the reason is because I knew that you could make money both on your 2019 yield structure as well as your 2020. So if you've got old corn, though, sitting around, you know, I kind of understand maybe sitting here and waiting. If the Chinese continue uh, with the purchases, you know, we've had 1.2 million tons this week. Export sales were really good uh, again this week as far as the report here uh, Thursday morning. Uh, so I understand maybe wanting to retain some corn ownership. You do have carry in the market. Uh, but at the same time, I don't. I, I kind of feel like after a rally, it's not a bad idea to go ahead and close the chapter on 2019 and, and focus on 2020 because most producers have a ton of 2020 to sell whenever you talk to grain elevators about how much they've got contracted. Well, soon we can stop guessing about uh, uh, crop size and start getting actual numbers. They'll be coming in before long. Yeah, I mean, definitely going to see combines rolling soon. You know, I was hoping that maybe we could run there, there maybe next week on some of our early April planted corn. I don't know that it's quite going to be there. The only way that uh, I see it, and, and you know what, I wouldn't have thought this was going to happen, but I think there's a potential you could get some trying deals. If you look, for instance, into, for instance, Decatur, there's some awfully nice bids uh, if you can get in there by the end of the week. I think there's a few people nosing around a little bit, and there's going to be some incentive, I believe, for growers uh, to go in there and maybe harvest some wet corn, especially, you know, if these guys will work with you on moisture. So if they'll work with us on moisture, our early April planted corn will probably get harvested there next week. It's going to be a little wet, but I kind of like picking wet corn, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, as long as you don't have a wet phone. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'll tell you what, (laughs) if I was going to answer that phone on – on uh, Monday morning for you, Mike, I'd have had to be about 20 feet below water. <laughs> yeah, well, we're glad you weren't, and uh, glad it worked out. Let's take care of our phones this weekend, and we'll, we'll talk again soon, Matt. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me, bud. All right, take care. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. All right, that's going to wrap it up for today. Thanks for being with us. Tomorrow I want to look at this situation 
kind of some trade problems with Mexico. Big customer, and even though we have USMCA, we have some issues. Some of the proposals to deal with those issues causing some other concerns. We'll get into all that tomorrow. Have a great day, everyone.